You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. All right. So I want to invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to continue our series we began last week on the life of David. Um, and if you weren't here last week, that's okay. You can go online. You can listen. Uh, we have it on podcast. Uh, so at the moment, we're only doing audio recording. We're working on it. We'd like to get to the point where we do some more video and stuff like that. But right now, it's just audio because so you can listen on iTunes or Google Play. And so whatever your device is, you can go subscribe and listen. So if you miss a week, you still can you know, get to hear it and, and, uh, and, and catch up. Um, so David was one of the most famous lives in history. Like almost anybody, no matter who you are, you know something about King David. You've heard the references to David and Goliath. You know, you, you know that metaphor, that's the David, right? You're the star of David, we talked about that. You know, all these things, there are references to David all throughout our culture. And uh, he's, he's in a really incredible life filled with highs, lows, successes, failures. You know, he was just, uh, he was a king, he was a warrior, he was a poet, a musician. There were so many things about David um, that were really just absolutely fascinating. But the thing that makes him most interesting is this particular phrase about him uh, that was actually said by God himself. And he said, David is a man after my own heart. Like that's that's pretty bold, right, for, for anybody to say, you know, listen, you know, they got they got a heart like mine. You know, he said kindred spirits. But God said, David has got a heart just like mine. Right? And so it, it would be one thing if somebody else said it. But for God to say it, it kind of takes it next level. We should pay attention. We should perk up. And so last week. Uh, we just, you know, began to think and explore what does it look like to have a heart like that? What would it look like if we had somebody said, hey, you have a heart just like God? Oh, I don't know. Like, what would that look like? So what did that look like for David? What was it about his heart that made him so much like God? And so we said last week, the first thing is that his, his heart was humble. Understand that there's a grand story of life, right? You get through the lineages, you know, and who was your father and who was who was his father and your grand, your mother. And, you know, you follow the family trees and you do your ancestry dot com or your 23 and me and you start going, you know, and you, you start tracking back. You know, who who where do you fall? Like, who's your ancestors? How'd you get here? But understand that you're just one name in a lineage. And it's going to it's going it, to there's, you know, generations before you. And, you know, should the world continue and Jesus not come back? Right. There's going to be generations after you. But you're a name. So you're a part of a story, much larger story, but you have a part to play. And David fulfilled the purposes of God in his generation. That's what, that's what a humble heart says. It recognizes that I'm, I'm in a grand story. And I have a part, but this is not my story. It's just the story of God. And we're all a part of this grand story that he's telling. So this week, we're going to take a look at how David's story began. You know, not so much from big context, but now begin when, like, pick it up. Like, what, is the, what do we actually know about David? Where, where does that start? And so to recap, remember the history of Israel, right? His, Israel, following God, forget God. Following God, forget God. Following God, forget God. And eventually, right, they come to this place where they're like, hey, we, sh- we should have a king. Everybody else has a king. I want a king. And God's like, why do you need a king? You have me. Like, am I not good enough? And they were like, mm, no, we could use a king. So they say, we really want a king. God says, you don't understand. He's going to tax you. He's going to, you know, draft all your kids and put them in war. You know, send them off. He's going to do all this kind of stuff. He's going to take your land. They're like, yeah, no, that sounds great. Can we have a king? You get what you ask for. So God says, fine. You know, they, they, they continue. And he says, okay. And he, he calls a man named Samuel. And Samuel was this prophet, right? And uh, if, you, if you remember the story of, of Samuel, he was actually a miracle child given to a woman named Hannah who couldn't have children, said, God, I desperately want a child. Would you give me a child? If you give me a child, I will dedicate him back to you for the rest of his life. 
So God gives Hannah a child. His name is Samuel. She dedicates him to the service of the Lord, right? And she ends up having other children. But Samuel grows up in the, in the temple, right, with the priest. And, and he grows and he serves the Lord in that way. Well, now Samuel's older. The guy says, okay, Samuel, I'm still talking to you because since he's been a kid, Samuel's had this sense of being able to hear God. So Samuel, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna pick a king. So I want you to go find this guy and uh, just start walking. I'll show you. And God leads him to Saul. And he makes this man Saul king. And Saul is head and shoulders above everybody else. Looks like a king. And just like every you know, ancestor before him, he follows God and he forgets God. Same story. Follows God and forgets God. And God just says, you know what? This is getting bad. And it made Samuel you know, very frustrated to see all this happening. And God said, you know what? I'm going to bail him out again. And I'm going to choose somebody else to be a good king for my people. Because Saul had a chance, but he's just blowing it. So I'm going to anoint somebody else. And we're going to choose somebody else to be king. All right? And so that's where we pick up the story. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. It will be on the screen, but you can also read along. We read this. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Samuel, for being a bonehead, for being a bad king, for a you know, regret man. You know, I put him in position. I thought this was going to be a good hire, and he's not doing it. Anybody? If you have you ever? Yeah, uh, I thought this was a good decision, and now I'm regretting it. You've mourned long enough. I've rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. I'll just pause there for a second and just say this. There's a time to grieve disappointment. We heard about this actually this weekend. There's a time for that. There's a season for that. But there's also a time to move on. Right? Don't get stuck grieving about what could have been. Sometimes we can sit there and just get so defeated and so discouraged that what we had hoped for and built up, this was supposed to be great, and it, and then we just stay there. Just don't try it anymore. Because, you know, we, I, I tried and it didn't work, and what's the use? There's a time to grieve, and there's a time to fill your flask with oil and move on. And that's what happens here. God says it's time to move forward. Verse 2, but Samuel asks, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, remember this king that I put in place... He's going to kill me. Right? You can imagine that when the king is sitting there, here's that, that guy who anointed me king is going to go choose somebody else to be king. Oh, no, I'm not having that. Because he's going to kill me if he hears that I go anoint somebody else. And God says, take a heifer with you. Oh, that'll protect him. Um, take a cow. And say that you will have come right, to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Just say, you know, I'm going to give you an alibi. Right? Just invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons. So God kind of says, hey, this is the guy. Go here. Just say, I'm going to go do some sacrifice things, some priestly, you know, priestly things. I'm going to do some sacrifices. I got a cow. See, I got a cow. We're doing sacrifices. You know, Saul won't think anything of it. So he goes, he says, and go to this guy, Jesse, and one of his sons. That's who I've picked. All right? So Samuel did, verse 4, as the Lord instructed. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, interesting, you've heard that, that you'll, you'll, you hear that city somewhere later down the road. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. You remember when, when, when Jesus, right? When it says they went to Bethlehem because there was a census because he had to go back to the place where he was born. right? Because that was where his ancestors were from because Jesus descended from David. Bethlehem, you begin to connect the pieces. This is where Bethlehem started. David is there. All right? Let's go to Bethlehem. The elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? <laughs> Like, you know, when your boss steps in your office and they never step in your office, You're like, do you come in peace? Like, what, what did I do? Um, and they're, they're afraid. Samuel's here. 
is not good when the prophet shows up. When the prophet shows up, historically, they're coming to say, hey, um, your city's going to get burned to the ground. Right? Like, that's kind of the kind of things. Do you come in peace? Yes, Sam, I replied. I've come to sacrifice the Lord. Look, I've got a cow. Um, purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too because at that time he says, listen, you can't just come to the sacrifice as priest, right? I've got to do all this kind of stuff to, conf- to make sure that you're holy enough to be part of this process. So he does whatever it's going to take. He says, okay, now come join me. We're going to do the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely... This is the Lord's anointed, all right? Lives the oldest of the sons. Guy walks in. He just had the look, right? He had the look. Whatever Saul had, right? Samuel had been through this before. He had anointed kings before. He knew what it looked, you know, he knew what a king looked like. And whatever it looks like, Eliab had it, right? He had the look. Some of you, you know, like, some of you have the look. Some of you don't necessarily have the look. Eliab had the look. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, don't judge by his appearance or height. Yes, don't judge by height. Don't judge by his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Let's read that again. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. The people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God's got perfect vision. You can't fool him. You can't deceive him. You can't sway him. Right? Listen, you walk into a room and if somebody smells good, you're like, oh, they smell good. They must be a good person. They smell good. Right? Or if they look good, you make assumptions about them. Or if they're tall or if they're fit, you make assumptions about them. Right? Based on what they're wearing, we make assumptions about them. We judge by the outward appearance. How do you look? How do you sound? What do the words coming out of your mouth sound like? How do you move? Those are all these external factors. Listen, when I go play basketball, I can tell by the way a guy walks if he's any good. There's just, oh, you can just tell coordination, right? There's certain walks that basketball players have and I go, you know, ooh, that guy's probably got a killer crossover. Right? You can just tell that he's just, you know, they've just, there's just a walk. There's a movement. We judge by the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. He looks past all that external stuff. Isn't that both comforting and terrifying at the same time? God doesn't judge you based on how you look right now. You all got, I mean, you, I'm going to guess that 99% of you looked at a mirror before you came today. You wanted to know how you looked. You looked in a mirror to present the outward side. And God don't care at all what you look like on the outside. He goes straight to the moneymaker. He goes straight to the heart. That's what makes it so incredible that he says, David is a man after my own heart because God only looks at hearts. He knows hearts. He's a pro at hearts. He goes, David, that heart? Mm -hmm. Yep, he's got it. So whatever was inside Eliab's heart, guess what? The inside didn't match the outside. And God says, next. Saw him. I see what's on the inside. I'm not looking at the outside. Not it. Not it. So verse 8 says, Jesse then told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. He's walking forward. He's doing, you know, the spin. You know, he's like, do I look kingly? You know, I just walk. He's walking. He's got like the catwalk, right? They're just walking out there. Walk in front of him. And Samuel's sitting there going like, mm, you know, I don't know. You know. Do you have a special talent? Can you sing? Um, 
And Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. So then next, Jesse summons Shimei. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And at this point, Samuel's probably being like, what the heck, God? You called me here. Just saw all these guys' sons. None of them. You told me to come here. I'm, I'm in danger of Saul already. I'm jeopardizing it. I'm walking here. I got my cow. I'm here. None of these guys. You're like, nope, 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 nope. Right? This is it. You just playing with me, God? What are you doing? It's none of them. And Samuel goes, he's got, like, got nothing left. He goes, seriously? Like, are these all your sons? Did we miss anybody? Like, did you just maybe forget maybe that you had an extra son somewhere tucked in a cabinet? I don't know. Like, do you, are these all your sons? And Jesse says, well, there is still the youngest. Yeah, actually, yeah, I forgot one of them. I, for, I, I didn't even think about him. I'm, I'm not, even, not even on my radar. When you said kings, he wasn't on the list. He's just a kid. He's just a kid. He's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Dad doesn't even bother calling him in the house. We're going we're gonna to pick a king from one of your sons. Okay, yeah, leave him out there. These are the ones. His father, his own father doesn't even see anything in him. In the outward appearance, he is nothing. He's just a kid with sheep and goats in the wilderness. You said you're looking for a king, not him. But Samuel says, send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. And so Jesse sent for him and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. It's kind of a weird description. And the Lord said, this is the one. Not because of the eyes. The heart. This is the one. Anoint him. Anoint him. This is just a child. History puts him somewhere between the ages of 10 and 15 at this point. So, like, teen boys, 10, 15, Nate, you know, Ethan, you know, Nate, like, you're, you guys, like, kid, right? Not a kid, you're, you're, you're a young man, young man, right? But 10 to 15 years old, somewhere in that, in, that, in that range. But there's something about him that when he walked in the room, the Spirit of God said to Samuel, that's him. That's my king. That's the one who's got a heart like mine. I scanned the whole kingdom and I chose him. I saw him when he was in the wilderness with sheep and goats. He's not at the forefront of the military. He's not leading all this stuff. Everybody has forgotten about him. People don't even remember that he exists. But I saw him. And I've chosen him. So as David stood there, verse 13, among his brothers, which I'm sure they were loving it. Brothers are all in the room and they're all over here like, Seriously? Him? Sheep boy? Right? He's out there. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and he anointed David with the oil. And listen to this. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And Samuel returned to Ramah. Can you imagine the kind of day that was for David? Right? He's out in the wilderness with the sheep, with the goats, Breathing the air. He'd spent the night probably sleeping on grass of some sort or maybe he had a mat. I don't know. He's out in the wilderness. He's with the animals, right? He probably don't smell great because he's living with the animals. He's always with the animals. He don't even care. He's just a kid, right? If you have a 10 or 15-year-old somewhere in that range, you know what they smell like. Now imagine that with sheep and goat smell on them, right? Like this is, this is David. He's just out there, right? Just 
here in nature, right? There's nothing. Nobody, nobody even knows he exists. He probably hasn't talked to people in a long time, right? He's just out there. His family's at the ranch, right? But he's out there because he's a nobody. He's the youngest of eight brothers. He's a non-person. He's just out there somewhere. He's not expecting this day to be any different than anybody else, any, any other day. But somewhere along the way, as he's going through his day, he hears somebody running towards him going, David! David! Sheep talking? David! He looks and sees somebody coming from the house. David, you've got to come back. They need you at the house. And his mind was maybe thinking, I don't know, they never need me. Something must have gone wrong. What's going on? Did somebody die? You know, is it, is it my father? Like what? Like he doesn't know. Like what, why? They never need me at the house. Right? So he just starts to run. And he bursts through the door, breathless, sweating. And he walks into this room and he sees all of his brothers sitting over there looking like disappointed. It's like, what's going on? And he sees his dad who's looking very confused. And Samuel, uh-oh. Samuel, do you come in peace? Like, why is Samuel here? Right, this must be really bad. And Samuel walks towards David. So David like, walks in. Samuel just starts to walk toward him. And he reaches into his robe and he pulls out a flask and he just starts to put oil on David's head. And he's like, what is going on? And he says, David, the Lord has chosen you to be the next king of Israel. And he says, you have a heart just like his. Uh, sorry, what? Serious? Is this a joke? Is there a camera somewhere? You guys, in the camera, you faking me out? Samuel is here anointing David. And instantly, he's filled with the power of the Spirit of God. He feels something inside. God is beginning to fill him with his power. This is no ordinary day. This is unusual. What would change if someone walked up to you tomorrow and anointed you king or queen? They just said, hey, you're, in, you're going to be in charge. First thing I would do, uh, do, I get a, do I get a crown? And where's the throne? Uh, and is it unlimited cannolis, right? Um, where's my army, right? Do, do, I, do I have a palace? Is there a moat? Is there a dungeon? Just asking in case I need one. Right? Like, what do I, where are the servants? What do I get for all this kind of stuff? Right? That's, like, just think about it. And then the Spirit of God is in you. Oh, I feel something. I'm different. I, I'm not just forgotten. I mean, there's this huge shift that goes on in his being. I am king. I'm going to be king. Are you kidding me? Odds are we're not going to be crowned royalty. I don't know if any of you are. Maybe somebody in here will be knighted someday. I don't know. You know, or you, you get something like that. You know. But I'm willing to bet that there have been moments in your life where you've received a vision or a dream or a calling that God's calling you to be something more. Where you're sitting here going, man, I don't feel like anybody really sees me. And it's not dreams or visions of grandeur. It's nothing like that. But it's the sense of I was made for more than what I'm doing right now. I've got a sense of calling. God is doing something in my life. I've got sort of this, man, if, if I could do anything, I feel like this is what I would love to do. I'd love to be. I'd love to make a difference here. I'd love to do something like that. So perhaps God's planted a seed of a dream in you 
And it's so big that it's actually hard for you to even believe it. So outrageous, so beyond reality that you're not even sure it was God. You're like, maybe just me dreaming someday of that. Right? But God puts something in me and it's just, you know, I'm a shepherd boy. And he's calling me king. Like, no, I'm just, a, I'm just a teacher, but God's calling me to this. Or I'm just a mom. God's calling me to this. Or you know, I'm just an accountant, but God's calling me to this. Or, you know, I, just, I just work for the company. I don't own anything. And God's, but God, I feel like God has just put this in my heart. And I don't know what to do with that. It just seems so outrageous. Here's a question I want to ask you. Do you know how long it took David to actually become king? Right? So he's anointed by Samuel. Samuel returns. Right? You think it took a few days? Just a couple of days. You know, like were there days? Maybe. Like, could you imagine if it was a couple of weeks? Like, imagine sitting around and you're like, oh, I gotta wait for a couple of weeks to be king. Like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm gonna sit on the throne. I'm gonna do all this kind of stuff. Oh, I got. I'm, I would make improvements here, and I would do this, and I would do this, and I would make. Right? Listen, we we we, we reserved some. We're, we're we're contracting to get office space. Like. Our own office space. We actually get an office. It doesn't matter to any of you. I get to work in a real office. It's been nine years that I've been working out of a backpack. I'm thrilled about this. It's big news for me, right? And moving day is tomorrow, except that they delayed it. They delayed it two more weeks. I hate waiting. I'm like so ready to move in right now. Like we, it's great. Listen, it's just office space. It's not a big deal. But I, I'm, I'm having a hard time waiting two weeks. Anybody? Imagine being king and having to wait two weeks. But it wasn't two weeks. Imagine if it was months. Imagine if he had to wait six months. Maybe a year. 365 days of waiting. You know what we find? David was crowned king when he was 30 years old. Anywhere from 15 to 20 years later. Man. Power of God's on me. I'm gonna be king. I was just a shepherd boy. I started at the bottom, but look at me now. Check me out. Wait, where's where's my throne? Where's the crowds following me? Day after day after day after day after day after day after day, month month year year, fifteen to twenty years. Can you imagine what that delay did to the calling that David received? What it did in his heart? You think God maybe? You think David maybe questioned it? Like God, maybe Samuel got it wrong. Maybe maybe it wasn't me. Maybe that wasn't my supposed to. Maybe maybe got the wrong guy. You know, maybe this wasn't. Maybe Samuel misheard, right? Or maybe Saul didn't get the memo because he's not he's not getting out of the way. Um, and God. Seriously, like, why would you tell me if you knew it was going to wait, take that long? Like, if, if you knew it was going to take so many years for me to be king, why would you even tell me? Right? Wouldn't you rather not know and just be ignorant and just go along and then maybe one day, 15 years from now, oh, hey, you'll be king. Oh, great. Happens now. Like, I'd almost rather not know than the pain of waiting, the pain of delay. See, because delay has an effect on us. It's a burden. And here we find the full danger of delay. See, delay can derail our dream. Along the way, if God has spoken something to you and there is any gap 
between what he has spoken and its fulfillment, along the way we begin to start doubting it. God didn't really say that. That might not actually happen. Maybe he didn't really promise that. Maybe they heard wrong. Maybe I heard wrong. Maybe that wasn't meant to be. Maybe that's just me. Maybe We start to have all this self-talk and it just starts to fade away. God may have spoken something to you, but it was so long ago that not only have you, not only have you stopped hoping for it, but perhaps you've forgotten about it entirely. Is it possible there are people here in the room where you, you've heard something from God so many years ago and you don't even remember it? It's just been so long since God promised it to you that you've just sort of completely moved on with your life, written it off. The famous story told by Tennessee Williams of Jacob Brodsky, a shy Russian Jew whose father owned a bookstore. And the elder Brodsky wanted his son to go to college. A boy wanted to marry the love of his life, Lila. That's all he wanted to do. His childhood sweetheart. A French girl who was as lively and as ambitious as he was shy and contemplative. She was outgoing. He was all quiet. But they just, he loved her. A couple of months after young Brodsky went to college, though he followed his dad's desire, went to college, his father fell ill and died. And so he came home to manage the bookstore. And uh, he married his love. The couple moved into the apartment above the bookstore and Brodsky took over its management. The life of books fit him perfectly. He loved it, but it cramped her style. She wanted more adventure. And she found it, she thought, in an agent who promised her to, you know, your voice is beautiful, you should come to, to Europe for a career in vaudeville and you'll sing. It'll be wonderful, a tour Brodsky was devastated. At their parting, she was going to leave. He reached into his pocket and he pulled out a key. And he handed her a key and he said, Your love is not so different than mine that someday you will not be drawn back to me. And this key is a reminder that the door will always be open for you. She kissed him and left. And to escape the pain, he withdrew into the books, into the bookstore. He isolated himself, didn't talk to very many people. He did very little. Usually could be found at a large desk near the rear of the shop, immersed in his books. Waiting, waiting, and waiting for the love of his life to return. And it was about 15 years later when she did return. Around Christmas time, he heard the doorbell ring. And she walked in. And when he saw her, he didn't even recognize her as more than just an ordinary customer. Would you like a book, he asked. She was startled that he didn't recognize her. But she pulled herself together and she said, I would like a book, but I've forgotten the name of it. And she told him the story of childhood sweethearts who loved each other deeply. And the story that they, they fell in love and married each other, lived in an apartment above a bookstore of a young, ambitious wife who left to seek a career who enjoyed great success but could never relinquish the key her husband gave her when they parted. And she told him this story. And his face showed no recognition. And gradually she began to realize he had lost the memory. You remember it, she said. You must remember it. The story of Jacob and Lila. After a long, bewildered pause, 
He said, you know, there is something familiar about that story. I think it was something by Tolstoy. Let me go look. And he turned and walked into the bookshelves. And when he came back, the key was on the counter. And she was gone. And he didn't understand what had just happened. The timing of God is perfect. And delay is never without purpose, yet the potential to forget in the waiting is so great. God knows what he's doing in our lives. He told David, but there was a delay. And there's something about that delay that can so tragically cause us to miss what God has for us. So the question this morning is, how do we handle the delay, how do we protect against the death of the seed that God has planted in us that is here but is not yet fully? The now but not yet full. Want to know what David did after Samuel anointed him king? He got all the books he could on how to be a king and he began to act kingly and he changed his name to King David and he says, you know, brothers, you should call me, you know, King, King, King Dave, right? Like, that's what we should do. And he changed, he built himself a chair, a throne, and he sat and he practiced being kingly and he, and he carved a scepter and he did, no, you know what he did? You can find out what he did. You can read about it because the next time you read about David, it says, you know, we need to go get David. Where is he? Oh yeah, he's with the sheep. He's a shepherd boy. Anointed king and he went back to being a shepherd. He returned. The only thing different is now the seed of calling planted in his heart. The only thing had changed now is the power of God in his soul. See, what we do in the waiting is crucial. When God calls us in our heart, he plants a seed. We're all about speed. God, would you microwave this baby? I want it to grow now. I want You planted the dream. I want it now. You plant the dream, I want it to come to fruition here. Trees don't grow overnight. You plant a seed, and guess what? You can wait. Best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. Right? You want to grow a weed? It takes you about 45 minutes. You want to grow an oak tree? It's about 100 years. We want to microwave it and hurry it up. And God plants a seed and he says, now there's something along the process. There's something that happens in the waiting. David had a heart like God, received this life-changing call, this huge dream, a vision of what was to come. And then he waited and waited and waited and waited. As they say, hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. Yet, in his waiting, he never stopped hoping. And therein lies the key. A heart after God never stops hoping. Some of you, you, you've given up. Or you're on the edge. There are things God has planted in your heart. Callings, visions, dreams. And you know that God spoke them to you maybe years ago. And right now, you almost can't even remember what they were. You have given up on it because there has been a delay. Let me ask you, what calling has God planted in your heart that is yet to come to pass? What has God planted in your heart that has not yet come to pass? What is it? Put your finger on it right now. For me, I'll tell you right now, God called us to establish a church here that transforms this community. That was the burden God put in my heart. It was a calling. And the reality is, we continue to set up and tear down every week. This is not our building. I do not own, we don't own this. We own nothing. Right? We're about to rent some office spaces. Woo! 
Right? We can't meet over there. That's great. I'm two more weeks. I know. I gotta wait. Right? But we don't own anything. This, right? This is okay. Listen, if you want to help set up and tear down, we could use some help every week. Okay, we set up and tear down. Seriously, we need help. We do this every week. We've been doing it for nine years. Nine years we set up and tear down every week. I do not despise this space. It's, this church is very gracious to allow us to, to meet here. But can I tell you, this is not the dream God planted in my heart. God did not plant a dream that I would come and rent somebody else's building and use it occasionally and just, you know, try and do the best we can. My dream was to create and develop a church that God planted in my heart that would change this community. Right? I want a building someday. You know what a building I want? I want a community center. I want something that is used 24-7, seven days a week, that changes this town, that lives out our vision and our values, our mission to say, hey, listen, God loves you, and I want you to know about it every single day. This is not my vision. I'm in the waiting right now. You know what my vision is? That this church, the congregation, right, that we would reflect the community around us. And I can tell you, ethnically, racially, we do not look like this community. We don't. This is not bad, but we're just not there yet. It's a vision what God has done in my heart, right? That's He's planted it, but it's not here yet. We're in the waiting. We're making progress. Let's say you set sail from, from right, Columbus is coming to America, right? Gets on a boat, comes over. And didn't, he didn't get to America. We know all the mess, right? He gets halfway. Let's just say halfway through, he just stopped in the middle of the ocean. Said, you know what? Hey, we're not where we were. I might not be where I'm going, but we'll just park here. Let's just park here halfway through middle of the ocean. That's where we are. We're not anywhere yet. We're not where we were, but we're not where we're going and we cannot park here. I'm in the waiting. God has put a calling to build a church that transforms a community. There are about 16,000 people in Robbinsville alone. Roughly eight to 9,000 of them have no religious affiliation whatsoever. No anchor, no foundation of faith. Guess what? Until everybody is connected, our job's not done. This church is not finished. I pray for people of every color and every language filling this room. Until they are reached, the call God has placed in my heart is still unsatisfied. I'm just a shepherd. I'm I'm not king yet. right? This is not the fulfillment of what our church is. We're, We're a seed and God is growing it. But this is not it. I don't despise this season. It's been nine years. I refuse to lose hope. This God who called me is faithful. He's going to build this church up. We're not done yet. We're not even, we're not even close. We're just scratching the surface. So the question I have is for you. What calling has God planted deep in your heart that has yet to be fulfilled? Are you giving up on it? Please don't. Please don't. Perhaps God has called you to start a business or a nonprofit, or to be a foster parent, or to adopt a child. Maybe God is calling you to rescue girls trapped in human trafficking, or make a difference, to travel to a foreign country to serve people in need. You know God has called you to something more than what you're doing right now. And listen, this is not the fulfillment of it yet. You are in the waiting. You've got this burden. Do not lose hope. The million dollar question is what are you doing in the waiting? And here is what David did in the waiting that gave him a heart like God. Nan, if you'd come up, we're going to close in just a moment. 
He kept his feet moving. Two things. He kept his feet moving. And he kept his eyes up. He kept his feet moving and he kept his eyes up. I'm in the waiting, but I'm not just going to sit here. I'm going to be, I'm going to do what I know to do, which is I'm going to be a shepherd. And I'm going to be the best shepherd I can be. And you know what? We're going to hear about in the weeks to come what God did because David was a shepherd helped him become the king that he was supposed to be. The lessons he needed to learn to be a king, he learned in the wilderness with sheep and goats. God doesn't waste a season. He will not waste your waiting. What is in front of you is the question. What is in front of you? You've got a calling in you, but what's in front of you? Are you doing it with all your heart? Are you continuing to step forward? To just keep walking? Are you doing what you know to do with all of your heart? It can be so easy to look so far ahead that you just overlook what's in front of you. I've got just this call. Listen, I so desire to be a church that reaches a community that I can forget that we're a church here right now doing life, making a difference right here. This season is not wasted. This matters. What we're doing right here and now, it matters. The only thing that matters is not the destination. It's about the journey, right? This matters. We cannot get so caught up in the vision that we forget what's here. When God gives you a dream, be careful not to neglect what He's put in front of you as you wait for that open door. But we also must be mindful that as we are walking step by step, we can never let our eyes just lower so much that we lose sight of the mountain that God has called us to climb. He's put it in front of you. It's a calling. Don't lose that 15 years, maybe 20 years waiting to be king. I'm just sitting here taking care of sheep and goats. Brothers are probably mocking him. Hey, what's up, king? Hey, uh, sheep run away. People mock it, make fun of you. If we will keep our feet moving and our eyes up, here's the best news I got for you today. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this, and I am certain that God who began, who planted seed of the good work in you. Ready? Will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Who will do it? God does it. God called you. God made David king. David, listen, David could have chased the crown. He could have said, I want to be king and tried to take it by force or manipulation or tried to work his way in or campaign or do all this kind of stuff and guess what? The doors God opens, no man can close. And the doors God closes, no man can open. God wants you king. You're going to be king. God has called you. It's going to happen. If you will keep walking and keep your eyes up. Do not quit. There will be delay. You can count on it. There's going to be delay. God is working in it. And there's going to come the day. The day when he finally finishes it and brings you home. The heart after his is hopeful. And we'll be ready when that day comes. When opportunity walks through your door and you hear that bell ring and they come up to you, may we not be the kind of people that say, I have no memory of this. That vision, this dream, it sounds vaguely familiar. Maybe it was something by Tolstoy. God plants things in you. 
heart after God is hopeful. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com. Mm-hmm.